Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Alongside Anthony Sanfilippo, talking Phillies baseball after a big four-game sweep of the Colorado Rockies. And Anthony, I have to tell you right off the jump, my man, I'm a little bit busy today. I wasn't positive that I was going to be able to record this show, but I just thought that after years of seemingly always recording at the worst possible times with this team that we absolutely had to record after a very, very encouraging week where the Phillies sort of picked themselves up off the mat, so to speak, after losing a bunch of series in a row and taking it to the Colorado Rockies all week long, back to 500 ahead of a massive series with the New York Mets starting up in New York tonight. So, Anthony, how are we feeling right now, my man? I, I don't, are we firing the manager still? Are we, <laughs> yeah, you are, know, if they would have fired Joe Girardi, the team? Was, if they would have fired Joe Girardi, they would have won by more runs this week. <laughs> Then 33 to 9, that wasn't yeah. a big enough disparity for people. Um, well, you know, look, we talked about it uh, earlier in the week, Bob. We talked about it on Monday and said, listen, this is a very important week. They had to, they had to win five – like we were saying, five out of seven was the, was the target. Um, I don't necessarily think either of us thought that they would sweep Colorado, but we thought that there was a chance three out of four was a, was a realistic possibility. Um, Rocky's not a good road team, don't have the great pitching staff, and, and, and the bats just needed to come around – and, and get things going. And they took advantage of bad defense um, by, by Colorado. And, you know, Ryan McMahon, who is usually a pretty good defensive player, too. I mean, he, he had a rough series against the Phillies um, defensively. You know, they, they did the things that you had to do. Um, they, got, they got good pitching. The starting pitching was, was, was really strong. The bullpen was pretty solid. And then when it wasn't, someone came in and rescued the person who just didn't have it that day, which was great. You know, um, it, it, one day it was hand rescuing Familia. The next day it was um, hand got in trouble yesterday. And uh, what's his name from San Diego came Norwood. in? Norwood. Uh, Norwood came in and, 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 and rescued him. So, um, so like, and that's what you got to do. I mean, if you're, you're bullpen, you're, maybe one guy doesn't have it one day, somebody else has to come in and pick that person up rather than just let it exacerbate in like one bad pitcher after another after another. And, you know, they did all those things right. There's not a bad thing that took place in this Colorado series. I was very, very happy with the way that they played. And now, you're right, the test comes. Not just this weekend, but seven of the next nine games are against the Mets. And they don't see them again, uh, well, they do see them again later in May. But then only two series in August, and that's it the rest of the year. So this is, this is, this is a very crucial time for them as far as the National League East is concerned. Yeah, and you sit here and say, hey, listen, it's April 29th. Phillies are, what, four games out. It's not the end of the world. But when you look at the way that the schedule breaks down, the fact that they did dig themselves a little bit of a hole here early on, you know, certainly you can't go up there and get swept this weekend. Right. Uh, you know, if you fall behind seven games after one month, I think that that's, that's you know, you're, you're 
probably not going to recover from that. And, you know, listen, I don't, uh, I want to make sure that we stay on the positive side of things here, but we've talked about it. Like, this Mets team's pretty good, right? They've thrown the ball very well so far in the early going. They have a decent offense. They have an owner and an ownership that's certainly committed to winning that will continue to add as the season goes along if they need to. So, I mean, this is not a team that you want to chase seven, eight games down early on. Uh, you know, I just, I don't think this is, is necessarily the, the greatest team of all time. But I also don't think it's that classic Mets team where you say they just have that loser DNA and they're going to fade. So this is a big weekend for the Phillies, and there was a lot to be encouraged about coming into it, especially uh, after watching the last four games against the Rockies. And I will preface all of what I'm about to say with the following. Uh, that Rockies team, and I know that they got off to a pretty good start this season, and I know that they don't play well traditionally on the road, but my God, that team stinks. Uh, that, that's, that is a bad team. When you, or it was a bad, bad team this week. It, you know, at the very least, it was a bad team this week. They were horrible. And to the Phillies' credit, they took advantage of it. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what they need to do. And I love, you know, I think what you pointed out at the top there is something that kind of gets lost. It's more of like a nuance. Not every guy is going to be firing on all cylinders all the time. But when one guy's struggling, if you have somebody else that can come in and kind of piggyback and get the job done and pick them up, I mean, that's the sign of a good team. And I'm not sitting here telling you that the Phillies are a great team after four games against the Rockies and, and sitting at 11 and 11 after 22 games, but that's encouraging to me. You know, I, I think that that's the, the type of, the type of flow, the type of rhythm in the bullpen that, kind of like that's where you can kind of use as a launching point so to speak and kind of rattle off a sustained a sustained period of success yeah You're not just not, relying on two guys and it's not just that it's 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 <clears throat> i think what you know we, we you had asked me at the start of the last show on monday if this team reminded you of this team from the past three years and and i said no and i said no for a couple reasons but one that I, I mentioned and, and I think was really evident this week against Colorado is I actually think this team is deeper in some places than it, it has been. And what I mean by that is is they have guys in positions, you know, coming off the bench a little bit that can fill it. Garrett Stubbs had a real nice game when he started, right? Yeah. Three hits. Um, you got uh, – obviously we know about Camargo. We talked about what he's, what he's contributed so far to the team. Um, Roman Quinn, who was pulled off the scrap heap – Comes in and has a nice start yesterday. Hey, bunts for a hit, steals second, steals third, scores on a sack fly. Hello? <laughs> hey, listen, and I'm glad you brought up Roman Quinn. We're talking about all of the things that usually I, I feel like come up in the 40-minute mark. Yeah. But I'm glad that you brought up Roman Quinn because, listen, you look at where this this Phillies team is at right now and, and what they have going on in the outfield. And, and Kyle Schwarber certainly has struggled from an offensive standpoint. I believe that that will sort of rectify and correct itself as we move along here. I, you know, there are some concerns, but I do think that the numbers sort of get to where you would expect them to be, reasonably speaking. Nick Castellanos has been awesome. He hits, he hits, he hits. Neither of those two guys playing every day your corner outfield spots is going to be, uh, you know, something that you want over a prolonged amount of time. Right. And with whatever's going on with Bryce Harper right now, with the elbow... If it's starting to feel like a this isn't going to be a first week of May thing, this is maybe going to be multiple weeks, yes. uh, maybe weeks away, and th that hasn't been stated yet plainly. But it's it's not really encouraging what we're seeing here. I mean, he hasn't really thrown a ball now in a game for for almost two weeks, and it's not getting better. So you kind of have to hold your breath. So the, all of that being said, now you bring in a guy like Roman Quinn, who's a good defender plus speed can cover ground. 
And it's a situation where you bring him into the game late. You're holding a 2-3 run lead in the 7th, you know, 8th, ninth, ninth. He can become a very valuable piece. He's not going to be that top-of-the-order guy that we had hoped for for the last three or four years that, that's out there you know, using his athleticism. But can he be a nice role-playing complementary piece? Yeah, I, I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and so, so like, the, so the, the, there are players on this team, and, like, we, you mentioned the bullpen. Or we already talked about the bullpen, where you got someone who's willing to come in and and help you out at, at a time when you need someone to come in and help you out, when your stars aren't, when your, your, your top-end players aren't contributing or somebody somebody's just not having a good game, and have these guys who are more of your fringy roster players still be important to the to the organization and and contribute and they are and, and so many times in the past you know we sit there we would sit here and say how many times would we sit here and say well we got to watch more andrew knapp at bats right <laughs> okay okay oh, oh, oh here we go uh, they're gonna now they're gonna put velasquez in the bullpen again we'll pull him out of the bullpen now right i mean how many times have we done that and now you got these situations where it's like oh well this guy's actually you know he, he's solid he's a contributor he's you know, he could come in and, and give you a game here and there and, and not hurt the lineup or not hurt the bullpen. I think that that's what makes them a little bit better team. They still don't have the starting pitching depth, um, but I think it was smart sending Falter down to kind of stretch him out and kind of get him ready for that if they need if need be um, because he does have an, a major league arm. Um, but at the same time, that you know, that's the one area where I don't think that they have the great depth. But other, everywhere else, it seems like they're starting to put pieces in place that can help this team win uh, in in a variety of ways. It's not just going to be with power. It's you know they're you know we, we keep thinking you know smash the bell. I mean that's become the thing this year. The, this team won this these games against Colorado wasn't all home runs. No, it was far from that. There was a couple, but it was far from that. It was it was great approaches at the plate. I'll tell you what. I didn't bring it up. I know I'm all over the place. Alec <laughs> Bohm's Alec Bohm's two strike approach so far this season, has blown me away. Yeah. Blown me away with how he's just going where the pitch is, going the other way, just taking what's given to him, and being productive. And he's not alone, but, I mean, that's the one that really stands out. Well, that's what we talked about with him going back to 2020, about, you know, he was such a mature hitter, an advanced hitter, an advanced approach, willing to use the middle uh, of the field, using, uh, willing to use the, uh, you know, willing to use right field. Um, and, and so you get away from that in 21. And I think that there was just so many different things that snowballed on him where the defense carried over to the offense, the offense carried over to the defense. He had struggled, probably had never struggled like that in his life before. And I think he was just kind of going through it. And I don't believe that Alec Bohm is necessarily all the way back. I'm not ready to stamp him and say, wow, here you go. Uh, a plus average major league hitter moving forward. But I'm very encouraged by what I've seen from him in the early going. And, you know, he has turned on some balls. He has hit some balls hard consistently, but he's not trying to do too much. And you see that, you know, two strikes, outer half, willing to wait, willing to sit back, willing to use all fields. And that's really encouraging because he looks much more like the player now that we saw two seasons ago than the one that we saw last season. And at some point you have to put it all together and say, hey, maybe he really is more like that guy that was in the conversation for National League Rookie of the Year and less like the total disaster that we watched a season ago. At least that's the hope. Now listen, you said it. They didn't bang the ball all over the yard this week. They won in a variety of different ways. But for me, it all goes back to the starting pitching. And we've talked previously about, you know, they're not getting any length. 
They haven't been very effective. They haven't had any quality starts. I mean, through Saturday of the Brewer series, they had two quality starts the entire season. And I know the quality starts, it's kind of like an old school stat, even though it was developed in the mid 80s. It's sort of outdated. But the idea of giving a team six innings plus, keeping a team under three runs or less, right? And they weren't doing that at all. Kyle Gibson was the only pitcher on the staff that did it up until up until Sunday when Aaron Nola was fantastic in the Angel Hernandez game. And then it carried right over into this week. Four games, they got three quality starts. They missed a fourth by Kyle Gibson by one out on Monday night. So, I mean, they're starting to really string this thing together now. And just to put some numbers behind it, you're talking the last five games starting staff as a 1.76 ERA. They've gone 30 and two-thirds innings. Uh, only 14 hits allowed. I mean, and, and that's something where you, you start to say, that's what we expected when we talked about the Phillies being an 86 to 88 win team and being in the playoff conversation. This starting staff throwing the ball as well as it did this week, by the way, against a Rockies team that can swing it. You know, they're a top five team in, in a lot of different offensive categories, obviously aided by the park at home at Coors Field. This is a good offense, and they did a really nice job against that offense this week. Yeah, they 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 really did, they really did. I'm, I'm talking to Bob. I just was I was just like, I was like, this is what this is what we expected. This is this these games this week. Not that we expect them to win every game. Not that we expect them to score six seven runs every game. Whatever. But I mean, this is what you expected on a consistent basis. And we were to sit back and watch these games, and it was just like they just played this team in Colorado and struggled. They won one game up there, out there, but they struggled against against the Rockies. They still had a hard time out there. So it's not like it was something that, you know, oh, that was a month ago or two months ago. It was a week and a half ago. I mean, it was the same group. No, there's no different. And, and they just figured it out. And I wonder if this, Bob, how much did Kyle Schwarber's explosion Sunday night on national TV kind of wake this team up? We were arguing. We were saying – and maybe we were maybe maybe Girardi was right. We were saying, oh, the, you know, Girardi should have shown some emotion there and really gotten putting something out there for the for the for the team to rally behind. Maybe he didn't have to because Schwarber had already done it, and that well, was enough. It's an interesting question because, in the same breath, and some of the criticisms that we've had about Joe Girardi over the last few years, at least on my end, uh, I would tell you that ultimately the team's shortcomings showed up because of a lack of a. a, a fire, a lack of accountability, and I've sort of said that that flows from the top down, and I do believe that. Yeah, sure. But you can bang on tables and and get upset and curse and scream and hold guys accountable and do it a variety of different ways. There's a lot of different ways to handle personalities, but I think ultimately it always came back to this team just doesn't have something, some intangible. It misses some intangible where they're able to kind of say, like, we're angry and we're going to play better or we're going to respond to this adversity. They've struggled to do that for years. And I kind of, with one series, and this is where you have to react to what you see and you only can go by what you see. So when they go down to Miami earlier, a couple weeks ago, and they lose three out of four, it's hard to be like, oh, wow, this is different. Because this is what we've seen the last few years. But just because it didn't happen in that one series doesn't mean that the intangibles brought by Kyle Schwarber, that intangible fire that may exist because of a guy like Nick Castellanos, like their personalities may not have shown up that weekend, but here we are a couple weeks later, and I think it is fair to wonder, like, 
Is there a different chemistry here? Does this team have a little bit of a different personality? And again, when you step back, they are 11 and 11. They were a 500 team last year. But it, it does feel a little different. Maybe Kyle Schwarber did inject something there. I don't know, you know? Or maybe they just played a, a bad road team that, that was horrible defensively. And I mean, did Kyle Schwarber's rah-rah act have anything to do with Ryan McMahon imploding for four games at third base this week? You know, so there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it. But I do think it's a fair question to wonder, like, maybe did that give them like a, yo, we're six and 10. This is bullshit. It's time to go. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, man. And I, that's what I was saying. Like, I, like, I think that that might have been the, like, a, just like a, you know, spark, spark the clubhouse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just wake you know, wake up, guys. We're, we're better than this. We were not to six and 10. What the, what the hell? That sucks. That's yeah. not what we were. That's not what we're supposed to do, and then you know, getting getting as frustrated as he did, kind of like just kind of rallied it. You know, if there was an off day Monday, then maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it just kind of just like is a thing that happens, and then they get an off day, and then they go start another series, and it's just kind of whatever. But you know, they came out firing on Monday night, and they looked good Monday, and then Tuesday was you know a strong, and then it just kept getting better and better and better. And now you're like, man, I can't wait for these Mets games. Well, if, if nothing else, what they've done now is they've stabilized. And and you asked in the last episode, you know, if the Phillies were 500 at the end of April, which would require them to split the first two games of this series, would you sign up for that? And I, like, chuckled. I said, yeah, you know. At this point, yeah, if you would have asked me at the start of the season, is 500 a, a good a benchmark for this team after a month? Probably not. But given the start, to be able to race back to 500 at this point, what they've done is they've stabilized things. You don't have to worry now about firing the manager in the first 25 games of the season. Like, that conversation should should be put on the back burner. Now, if they continue to be inconsistent and they just sort of kind of can't find a way to hit that next gear when you get into July and August, maybe they consider it at that point. But I don't think that we should be talking about Joe Girardi's job security, making a change, game 35. They've they've stabilized things enough where all of that conversation, all that craziness, you can put that aside for right now. Good. Yeah. Good. I mean, that's. I mean, in all honesty, good. That's the best thing that could have could have happened this team, to this team. And I think that they probably would have stabilized even if it was just three out of four. But it was even better that it was a sweep, because you know, that's a distraction that this team doesn't need. This team needs to feel good about itself. And we've seen it, right? We saw it last year when they when they made the push um, and they caught the Mets, right? Remember that? You know, the Wheeler the Wheeler one hitter and like that. They were playing some great baseball, and you're like. Yeah, I mean, you could you could see that that's this is the kind of team that that needs that that flow, that momentum to kind of get going. Of course, you know, they they kind of fell apart a little bit after that, and the Braves were red hot, and they never could catch them once Atlanta got ahead of them. But at the same time, you could see when the things were going good for the Phillies a year ago, it was a lot like this. It felt a lot the same way. Now the question is, can it be sustained? And that's you know, with the tough, we already talked about the tough calendar ahead. Can it be sustained? And I I don't think we need them to go. You know, uh, you know, twenty and six in the next twenty six games, but at the same time, if they're you know, fourteen and twelve or fifteen and eleven, that's okay. That's that's pretty darn good, and we'll take it. So, um, I actually wanted to use what you just said as a transition into this Met series and Aaron yeah. Nola tonight and all yeah. of that. I and I guess I'll just take it. I want to come back to some of the offensive numbers that we've we've seen now uh, over the first few weeks because they're pretty good. 
and I, I want to talk about whether or not they're real or could they even be better. Uh, but because you, you built this nice segue that I'm now kind of dancing all over, let's just get right into this. Yeah. So you have the, the Phillies and Mets, and you have Aaron Nola on the mound tonight. And yesterday, Zach Wheeler uh, gets his first win of the season, and it was actually the first win for the Phillies in a game started by Zach Wheeler. They were 0-3 previously. Now, Aaron Nola, they went on opening day behind him, but he has now lost three straight Um to no fault of his own, really, the last two times out. I mean, he was very good against Colorado, uh, and he was outstanding on Sunday night against the Brewers. So I'm not placing any blame uh, at the feet of Aaron Nola for this, but the Phillies, like any team, need to win when their best pitchers are on the mound. And tonight, they are actually an underdog in this game, even with Aaron Nola on the mound. I believe they're going up against... McGill. It's ty- Yeah, okay, so it's McGill. Who's pitched really well for the Mets? Who has, right. And I mean, listen, the Mets are 14 and 6, and they're at home. And so when you look at, you know, should they be favored? Yeah, sure. Um, Except except that Nola really has the Mets Mets number. Yeah. (laughs) You know know what I'm saying? That's why I'm a little surprised by that to be a dog. I mean, I I thought that this might be, you know, maybe right around even. Um, And not not that the Mets are a huge favorite, right? I mean, it's what? With, with, with Minus with 120, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's not huge. So what you get tonight in this game is a matchup of, and here I'll, I'll work my offensive numbers that I, I kind of wanted to into this, uh, into this little preview here. You get a matchup of two teams uh, that are within the top five of OPS in Major League Baseball uh, as of Friday morning. Uh, Phillies come in fourth at 738. Mets right behind them at 736. So, you know, both teams have swung the bat very well uh, so far this season. Phillies are really top five in a lot of different numbers. Uh, OPS, slugging, batting average. I mean, you know, and I guess my question eventually will be like, do we believe these numbers? But as far as this game goes tonight, I I don't think it's necessarily like a referendum on Aaron Nola. Like, I, I don't know that we really need to make this more than it is. But to me, this is the type of game where if you're going to win this series... And you know that you're going to have to deal with Max Scherzer, I believe, on Sunday night. Yep. You've got to get this one tonight. You've got to start winning behind Aaron Nola, I think is what I want to say. And I just feel like now for for years, really, two or three years, sometimes it's on him, and then it's sometimes on the offense. It just feels like they can never put it all together when this guy is on the mound, and I don't have an explanation for it. It's, it's not like they don't believe in him. It's not like they don't they don't think that he can get it done. It just amazes me. It just seems like every time through the rotation, you're like, it's another Aaron Nola start. They didn't win, you know, and, and for whatever reason. Yeah, I, mean, I think Nola is, uh, you know, obviously is a guy who doesn't get a lot of run support. Um, more often than not, because he's usually pitching against a really good pitcher for the opposition. Usually that's how it matches up, right? I mean, in his career, he's either been the number one or number two for the Phillies for the last five, six years. Um, so it really kind of that's that's why it ends up being that way. Um, that being said, yeah, it's it's time that the team hits for him a little bit. Okay, you know, give him give him a cushion, give him some runs, and let him go out there and do what he has to do. Um, I, I I think he's going to have that big game mentality today. I think that everybody who's always said that that Aaron Nola is not a big game pitcher, I think you're going to see that tonight. I think you're going you're going to see a guy who comes out with a good approach, and, and and you know he's like I said, he's usually good against this team anyway. But I think that they recognize the importance of these games, uh, even though it's April. I think that they recognize 
just because of the way that it goes with the schedule that they only got to play. It's a series. I mean, it is. It I mean, is. You know, I mean, we don't want to uh, hype just... it, but this is a series where I think you come in and you say, all right, like, we can play with you and we will be here all year long. Yeah, you remind them. You remind them because, like I said, after, after it's not just that it ends Sunday, but the following Sunday, you know, Mother's Day, uh, is they play the Mets again. They're, that's the end of a four game series here in Philly. And then you don't see them again for three months. That's it. Like that's, you don't see the Mets again for three months. And if it's going to be Phillies and Mets, and let's not forget the Braves, they're going to get back into this. Thing I think that they might have something yeah, to say. They about might have all. something to say about it. Uh, but if the Phillies and the Mets are going to be part of this race, either for the division or for a wild card spot, and they want they want to remind each other, this is it. This is the time of year to do it. You you play them seven times in the next ten days, and it's going to be, you know, after that we were after Mother's Day, we're going to sit here and be like, okay. Either we're either going to be like, this is awesome, we're ready for a big season, um, this is going to be a lot of fun, or it's going to be like, oh, man, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really think I, I feel I really like we're think on the roller coaster right now. I mean, I could see all possibilities. We come out here, we're like, hey, you know, they two out of three against the A's is a pretty good start. Yeah. And then things kind of go down, and you're like, this is the same old stuff. And now we're kind of sitting here going like, are we on the way back up? Like, where is it heading? So yeah, I agree with you. I, I really do think a lot will be decided in these next – I guess nine games. They, what do they play? Two with the Rangers. Yeah, there's two against Texas in between. Yeah. Who's been play? horrible? Yeah, I cannot they're, they're, believe how bad, bad that team has been. Yeah, they have been really horrible. So listen, Aaron Nola. There are two different things kind of coming into this game where I you pit them against one another and you go, what prevails here? So the last two games for Aaron Nola, uh, twelve and one third innings pitched. He's only allowed seven hits. Two earned runs, thirteen strikeouts, and he's walked only two. I mean, he has been really good and. I, I almost feel like, and I'm kind of surprised when I look at the season numbers, I see 3-7-4 ERA and I go, eh. And again, we're only talking about four games here, but I go, eh, you know, whatever. And then I look at the whip and I go, 0.88? Like, that's pretty damn good, you know? Yeah. And I don't feel like he has been that good. It, and, and so, he, lately he has been outstanding, very encouraging. I, I think he's going to take that into this start tonight. And it's it is interesting though. You talked about how good he's been against the Mets throughout his career. He does have one start against the Mets this season though. Already came back on April thirteenth, and he only recorded ten outs in that game, three and a third. He gave up three hits. He walked three through seventy six pitches and couldn't even get through the fourth inning in an eventual nine six loss. He was dismal in that game. It was his worst start of the season and probably the one that really started to sound the alarms about what direction is he going in. Um, so I think that, you know, he has an opportunity here tonight to certainly get back on track and sort of right the wrong. It's a, it's a big game. I almost wish to be honest with you, I do anger better. I do rage better. <laughs> no, I do, I do criticism better. So I'm having a hard time because I think that 92% of our shows historically have come after just head scratchers that make you sort of go, what am I watching? So I wish we were recording this show after this Aaron Nola start because this game to me, and I should know better than this because, you know, I'm a big J journalist. I'm a, a professional baseball writer. This game to me, I feel like Russ right now. I, I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is such a huge game tonight. And I've tried to tried to downplay it. I've said, like, it's, it's only April 29th. Yeah. It's only the 23rd game of the season. I think it's a massive game tonight on so many different levels. I really do. And I 
I, I almost want to reserve judgment about the way I feel about this team until after this game tonight. That's yeah. how I feel, man. I, and I know that sounds crazy. It's probably like almost a little bit embarrassing. Like I should know better, but I really feel that way. No, and that's fair. But it's fair, it, it, it's fair, Bob, because it, it has that level of importance. And we always say it, right? Any, any game at any point in the season is equally as big as any other game at any point in the season, right? It really is. Ultimately, when you look at them over this course of 162 games, they're all equally important. But there's just a time and just a place where it feels like it means more, and this one certainly does. Well, think ahead. So if the result is two out of three either way this weekend, you kind of go, okay, you know, not the end of the world, and, and they're not winning the division if they win two out of three, right? right? But just mentally walk through this. And this is, I was thinking about this this morning, if we were going to record why I feel this way about this game. So just project ahead. Aaron Nola goes out tonight, and he gives you six plus, two runs or less, he's dealing Phillies get a key hit late, or they just come out and they blow the doors off the Mets. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you know, there's something here now, like for real. And you're feeling really good about it. He goes out tonight and he goes five innings. He gives up four earned runs, a bunch of two out hits, two strike hits, like we've seen from him sometimes. And they lose 7-3. You don't feel as good about the past week as you do right now. You kind of go, listen, now they have, uh, they're coming back with Walker, who's okay on Saturday, and then they're coming back with Scherzer on Sunday, and you just don't feel great about it. And I know that how I know how fans react, and and I think that I, I'd like to say that I try to keep it a little bit more down the middle than than the average person, but. If he stinks tonight, we're not going to feel great about this. And that's why I think it's a huge game. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. You're, push you're, back. Tell me I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to push back, Bob. I'm not going to push back. You know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, we, we sit here and we get criticized, you know, for being the negative people, like you said before. And I sit, in, I, I sit here in my house and I talk to my kids and, you know, they're, you want to talk about negative you want to run negative. Those two are as negative as it gets, those boys. And they're like, why are you so optimistic about this team? And they, they, they criticize me, me, for being Mr. Optimism about the no. Phillies. And I come on the show and I rip them. But That's because you spent an entire season watching the Flyers. <laughs> you know what? That's probably why. It's probably the reason why. Like I was probably like, oh, look at that trade the Eagles made last night. That was a good trade, right? Yeah, that's huge. Sixers won. That's great. Like I, I'm excited about anything that's positive. Oh, he's sunny. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, I I've been saying it. Since you know, since the tra since the moves were made to bring in Schwarber and, and and Castellanos, and I liked a couple of moves. Like I liked adding Brad Hand in the back of the bullpen. I did not like Familia. We already discussed that. <laughs> and I think that's a bad move, and I think that's going to ultimately stay positive. Blow up. Stay positive. That's, that's going to ultimately blow up in their face somewhere. Um, but you know, I liked a lot of what they did, and I thought you know this is definitely a playoff team this year. Whether or not they win the division, it's a really good division. This is a playoff team, and we're going to have meaningful baseball in September and October, and it's going to be you know sitting on the edge of your seat, nail biting, and it's going to be fun, and we're going to love it. You can and go back and play the cut from uh, our our first episode this week, even at six and ten. I said I still think this is a playoff team. Yeah. But what I think we should do now, because we're going to continue to say that, I think for at least the next few weeks, we should do a confidence meter. 
This is a playoff team. Where's your confidence meter on the, yes, this is a playoff team? It's got to be over 50%. So where are you sliding in at this morning? Probably about between 75 and 80. Okay. I'm right there with you. That's, that yeah. was, I said 80%. Yeah. I, I think that this is absolutely a playoff team. I do. Yeah, I do. And, and you know, I mean, who, there's so much that can go wrong with injuries and things like that. But, you know, if it's, it, uh, you assume health for everybody. You assume health for every team, not just the Phillies. And I think that this is I think this is a playoff team. Yeah. Um, so that's but why I think that what you look at, too, yesterday was Zach Wheeler. And I, I kind of tweeted this. This was my one takeaway from yesterday's game. We've seen two starts now where the velocity is sort of trending back to where it needs to be. I mean, he has, over his last 11 innings, he's only allowed runs in one of them. Now, that one inning happened to be a blow-up that, that was aided by horrendous defense. But, I mean, he's going out there and putting up zeros. He's starting to pitch up in the zone and, and missing bats with a little bit more frequency. I, I just feel a lot better about what I'm watching there right now than than I did, you know, on Easter. And yeah. I, I, Captain Obvious, I guess, but... Just, he looks more like Zach Wheeler. Forget the results. You know, forget six shutout. Just, he looks more like himself, and then that allows you to kind of say, okay, I think projecting forward, you probably have something that looks like a top-of-the-rotation pitcher in this guy, and not, uh, you know... You remember when Roy Halladay sort of fell off in, in 2012, and you said, oh my God, it's, it's sort of right. over? Right. I mean... Different situations here. Zach Wheeler's younger, less innings, but it just kind of felt like, is this, we're not getting 2021 Zach Wheeler, are we? But I think you're going to get something that's reasonably similar. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think that, you know, I looked at the, at the last start for Eflin and I really liked how he pitched against Colorado. And, you know, I, I, I like the way he, you know, he, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a bulldog. And I like the fact that he's the one that's matching up against Scherzer. On Sunday night, I do. Like, I think that there's something right. there. Yeah, listen, you know, I'm the number one Zach Eflin fanboy, so yeah. I've always been pro Eflin. Yeah, and I, I think that I think I like, like, you know, of anybody. Obviously, you know, Wheeler. We would you probably want if you're Wheeler at his best against Scherzer is probably what you would want. Um, you know, or Noel's pitching that. You know, when Noel's pitching the way he's pitching, but there's something always about those guys when they match up against like the stud pitcher on the other team, and they pitch good games, but the batters don't hit for them, and all of a sudden they have that one inning in like the sixth where they give up like two runs, and it's over, and you're done, and you and you lose the game. And you're like, well, what the hell happened, right? Why should that? Happen? But there's something about Eflin when he pitches against good pitchers that he's just like, screw it, dude. I'm going out there. I'm gonna pitch my balls off and, and, and he does and I and I think that that's put that on national TV the whole Scherzer Girardi thing from last year that's probably going to come up um, uh, in the conversation you know Scherzer's been pretty mouthy since uh, so far this year with all the times that the Mets got hit so heaven forbid anybody hits a Met this weekend too right I mean that's going to start that's going to start a whole thing too so I mean that's that's a that's a powder keg ready to explode I I, I just I kind of like the, the pitching matchups this weekend I think that I think they favor the Phillies. I really do. Overall, um, obviously, you got to say Scherzer's a, a, a favorite over Eflin, but I like Eflin as the guy going against him because of his approach and his mentality. It's interesting you say that. And as far as Zach Eflin goes, I mean, I, I think that he's a good pitcher. I think that young uh, earlier in his career when he was young, he sort of just needed to figure out who he was. I think he was one of the people that was sort of affected by the coaching staff at the time. Yep. Um, and I have to say, uh, some of this is personal feeling. I mean, I've, I've spoken with him multiple times, and I just like the guy. I like his demeanor. I, it kind of rolls right into what you were talking about. 
I often think about this. What does a good Phillies team look like in late September that's making the postseason? Or what does a Phillies team look like that's winning in October? And I'm sure that when you're going through the, the list of things that you envision when a team is, is making a run, it's Bryce Harper is putting the team on his back and Nick Castellanos is like first and second two outs and he drives the ball into the gap and two runs score and Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, you know, dominate. And those are the things that you're probably thinking a Phillies playoff win looks like. To me, in my mind, one of the things that I see, if the opportunity arises, is Zach Eflin gets the ball in a, you know, a 2-1 series deficit or, you know, a 2-1 lead, and you're like, I don't feel great about this tonight, and he goes out and does it. Like, I I hate drawing parallels back to, you know, 2008 all the time. I know it's kind of lame. Like, other things exist besides the 2008 Phillies. But he gives me, and I think he's actually a better pitcher, but he gives me like that Joe Blanton vibe where like he's the guy that does it when you weren't really expecting him to do it. Yeah. That's the, the vibe that he gives me. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I like as, I, as he gets shelled on Sunday night. I, I mean, don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, Bob. I don't think so at all. I think that this is a, I think, I mean, I think that I'm going to say that the, the Phillies win two of three. Um, I like them tonight and I like them on Sunday. I think that the one game that they're going to lose is the is the middle game of this oh, series. Yeah, um, I'm in. So I think I'm they in. win two or three. I I, I do. I, I I think this is a I think this is a good weekend for them. Okay. All right. So. I, I can I can go for that. Yeah. Uh, I do uh, have a little checklist here. And yeah. Did we, we we didn't hit, we didn't hit everything there in our random uh, spraying of. of oh, I have topics. to say. I mean, I think that if you're listening, you probably know that we didn't necessarily uh, go into a deep production meeting about how we were going to approach this show. <laughs> okay. Right. We're, we're all juiced up on a Friday. Um, I want to talk about a player that I, I just, I want to talk about Oduble Herrera. Okay. And you talked about the other day, which I will give you credit for and should have led with this. Really. You talked about Oduble Herrera at some point, potentially finding himself in the leadoff spot. Mm-hmm. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> and lo and behold, two days later, he's batting leadoff for the Phillies. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me, I guess. Um, so I, I've written this a couple times that I don't I do want not want any part of Odubel Herrera as a consistent uh, leadoff option for this team for a variety of reasons. We've seen him do it before. Joe Girardi the other night said that he's he's done it with some success. The numbers would would suggest otherwise. Uh, he, he does not get on base enough, I think, to to warrant hitting at the top of the order. But my position is though I do not want to see him. Uh, starting 120 games and hitting at the top of the order for this team, I do think that he is a useful part. Um, You get him consistent at bats against righties, you hit him down in the order, and especially when you take stock of what the Phillies' outfield options are, Odubo Herrera, I think, has certainly has a place on this team, and he's gotten off to a really good start. I mean, he's only played, I guess, five games at this point, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, that has been very productive. He's driven the ball into the gaps with con- some consistency. He's having pretty good at-bats. He's making hard contact. I guess I'm not stating anything here that, that isn't obvious, but when I watch the reaction, and I know that Twitter isn't real life, but I, I I see like this pushback. Like, um 
he does something good. And there are some people on Twitter that like won't mention him by name, simply won't cheer for him. And it's because of obviously the off field issues. And that's, that's fine. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, you know, from a moral standpoint, if, if you don't want to do Herrera on this baseball team, I totally, totally get it. Um, but like, I guess it, it's a, like a little bit of an awkward conversation, but it, at some point, like you have to acknowledge that the guy is a useful player, don't you? And, and I, I feel like that we all do this. Like as you cover the team, you write about the team, you tweet about the team. Like he had a great game the other night. I guess it was, was it Tuesday night? Yeah. He had a great the- game. And yeah, he did. I kind of like found myself like wanting to be like, Hey, like this was this is what the Phillies need. Like, if he can do this consistently, which has always been the issue with him, but like if if you have him matched up correctly and you're batting him in the, the lower third or the bottom third of your order, like, man, that really gives this lineup some juice. Like this this adds an entirely different dimension to this this offense, to this lineup. It's not it, it's got dangerous hitters throughout at that point. Yeah. And I, I almost like find myself like hesitant to say that to like concede like th- he's pretty he's a pretty good option the way that he's being utilized if he's being utilized correctly am i like crazy like no, no you're this not is just like a media, this is like a modern 2022 social media media political type of conversation this is a political conversation because that's why there are, there has been so much anti oduble in this town and usually, mostly from your talking heads on radio, okay? And then I'll, let's be honest, be honest about it because I don't remember the writers ever being so overtly critical of the guy to say that he shouldn't be here or anything like that. No, I, I don't think, writers... I think that everyone – I mean, I, I shouldn't say that at all. I think that privately every, everyone kind of understands his shortcomings as a player, his, the, the, the boneheaded moments. Yeah. And I think that most people privately would – I would assume anyway would say like – not great what you did, man. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that there's really been any writers, at least that I can recall, that were like, he should not have a second chance. He should not be here. I, right. I think. That, so that's been a, that's been a very media-driven thing that the that the fans have gotten that a lot of fans have gotten behind, except for that woman who you know was in the crowd wearing the I love Odubel Herrera, which was weird. I would concede yeah, that that is very <laughs> strange. I mean, I I for the life of me cannot understand what the hell that was about. But if you take Take the politics out of it. The guy is a major league hitter. Yes. That's all that matters. Like, if, you know, ultimately, and, and you but know. But, like, the question, like, does it? Like, is that all that matters? Like, because, I, I mean, I don't know. Yes. Does. Yes, it does. Okay. Do you think the do you think the Atlanta Braves fans are bitching that Marcelo Zuna's back in the lineup this year? I mean, listen, you said it, you look at over seven years and certainly streaky, certainly hot and cold, but you're talking about a guy who has in his career entering today, 2,999 plate appearances over 760 games. He's a 754 OPS. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. I'm not telling you that he's a, a perennial all-star or a hall or a hall of famer, no. but like there's a place for that. On a roster, yeah, it's be- he's better than average. But right? if, you, if you want to look at like if you want to say there's an average player, he, is he better than average? Yes, in his career, he's been a better than average player. And then to justify your argument about 
you know, if you, if you put him towards the bottom of the lineup, even last season, right? Last season, yeah, obviously, I don't know where Girardi was getting his numbers that he was actually good in the leadoff spot. I mean, he, yeah, he had 256. But he only, you know, he didn't walk. He only hit two, he only on base was 287. But in in 22 games, which is not, I mean, small sample size, but not that small. In 22 games, batting eighth, 347 batting average, 407 on base, 935 OPS at the bottom of your lineup. You have any problem with that against right-handers in the bottom of your lineup? I mean, uh, no. No, it's and, and you don't have anybody else who's going to do that. Not to say that that's what his numbers are going to be this year. If you bat him eighth or ninth all season long against right-handers, it's probably not going to be that good. But it's not going to be far worse than that. He's it, going to be about a three hundred hitter. And I, I agree. And that's kind of what I, I kind of write, you know. And and I feel like every time I write about him, if he does something well, it's like I, I feel like I'm finding myself putting all these qualifiers in front of it. Like, listen, if you don't want him here, I totally understand that, and it, you know, it goes without saying what he did was bad. But also, he was three for four last night with three doubles. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and I, I feel like I have to like do this like three sentence build up as like a disclaimer. Like, this is not a validation of Odubel Herrera as a human being. I'm just letting you know that uh, as an eight or nine hitter, this is a pretty good matchup problem to have you know, against against right-handed pitchers. Can, can I say that without feeling bad about it? How do you think the Kansas City Chiefs fans have felt about all the the, the guys who have come through their organization the last few years? Yeah, and, and I mean... With a Super Bowl championship and, and they've been and in the Super to Bowl. To say that, though, it's like, you know, just because Chiefs fans excuse it doesn't mean the Phillies fans should. Like, you're entitled to come down on it and drop the hammer, but Look, I think what's interesting is you watch it play out on a nightly basis with him. You know, and you have the fans that are like... This is disgusting. Like, I turn off the TV during his at-bats. Fine. No problem with that. And then there are, and I think that people such as that will push back and say, it does seem like there's almost this, and you may see this, I don't know, but I do. I, I feel like there is this, like, group of fans out there, at least on social media, that almost, like, play up his success as, like, a, like giving, like, they almost, like, play up his success to to want to say something to that other side, yeah. it's really weird to watch play out. You're you're 100 right on that. But here's here the reason I point this stuff out. The reason I bring up um, Ozuna and the reason I bring up the Chiefs is, is that it's you you don't necessarily have to like the person. You don't have to. You don't have to like the individual. But if that individual helps your company succeed. Then you take, then you take it. If that if that individual helps your team succeed, you accept it. You accept that. You accept that the fact that your team. If the Phillies go out and win a World Series, and Odubel Herrera hits the walk off home run in the World Series, our fans are going to be like, "Yeah, you know, we don't want it. Give it, give it back." No, no. they're going to say they're going to be thrilled. So my point to you is, is that you don't have to like the guy. There are bad guys, and I don't want to make him out to be. A bad guy. To me, and look, you're down there all the time. You have a better sense of it than I do. To me, he seems like a guy who's who's was was really, you know, he's 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 been apologetic. He's doing all the right things, saying all the right things, and doing it the right way, it, without condoning what he did. Obviously, it was 100 percent wrong. But people can rehabilitate themselves if they when they do something wrong. And I he seems like a guy. Who's kind of doing that? 
yeah, he's still going to make a boneheaded play here and there. That doesn't mean that that's oh look oh look there's Oduble being a bonehead. He's probably going to go back home and beat his girl again. No, that's not what we're saying. The one does not indicate the other. They are two completely separate things here. And you don't have to like what he did off the field. But on the field, he helps your team win. Keep him in the lineup or keep him on the roster. I'm good with it. That That's that's how I look at it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Am I going too far it's with a, that, Bob? No, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting conversation. It's, it's just interesting. I, I, you know, I think you do these shows and, like, we're supposed to give takes and be like, I'm on this side. Like, that's what morning sports television is predicated upon you know whether it's first take or first things first or any of these shows it's a hard line stance like get over it Oduble's great or this guy should never step foot on a field again you know it's it's got to be one or the other I've watched this thing kind of evolve since he's been brought back and the way that people talk about it and it, it like I said I just found myself on Tuesday night watching this guy play baseball and I said it's very obvious that that he can help this team win and you know, in the right capacity, will help the team win. Uh, but it's it's interesting to watch people have to feel bad about success as it happens. And then it's interesting to watch people almost play it up and, and overly celebrate him. Like, if, if it were Matt Veerling that had the same production, you wouldn't hear about it quite so much. Right. It's really strange to watch play out and kind of irrelevant and wasn't something that I planned to talk about for seven minutes, but... I just, it's really, really strange to cover him and to try to talk about him and, and walk the line and kind of keep it down the middle and account for all of the different feelings well, that go well, into it. Am, am, I, am I wrong when I say that it seems like that he has been a guy who's rehabilitated I mean, this? You, you can for, only again, public, you but yeah. by just what you're seeing. Yeah, you can only know by what you see, but when you like, look at how he handles himself, I think that the team, uh, you know, I'm sure that there are a lot of personal feelings about him one way or the other within the clubhouse, but there seems to be a positive energy around him. I don't think that guys are upset. At least it doesn't come across to me that way that he's here. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, you can only go by what you see and what I see is a guy that seemingly is, is trying to do the right things, whether or not he is, you know, I, I, I can't validate that, but right, right. from the outside, yeah, I mean, it would seem like he's that's all you on the right track. That's all you, you know, whether or not for. whether or not you want to root for him is is totally up to you. But he seems he seems like he's on the right track. I mean, that's if, that's if he's here and part of this team, that's all you can ask for, right? Yeah. If he's not here, then you don't you don't care. He's out of sight, out of mind. But if he's here and he's and he's going to be part of your team, all you can ask for is that he's stays on the right track he's trying to make it be a better man be a better person and oh by the way he can help the team win yeah it's an interesting conversation. i mean just look at this conversation that we're having and i yeah. i mean honestly it's if, if we took this off air i'd be having the same conversation like this isn't like a oh it's no. gonna get you know i i don't want to get canceled like th this is this is how i feel about this like i really do kind of like find myself struggling with it a little bit so. sure sure all right, well, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily want to go out on that note. You got, you got to have something for me, right? Because I can't shut it down after that. Yeah, you know, I wish I, I wish I had something good, Bob. But I mean, the last couple, <laughs> no, but seriously, the last couple of days have just been kind of, kind of quiet. I mean, you got, you know, you got Acuna coming back for the Braves. That's obviously going to be a, a big thing now, right? And and see, you know, see what happens there. Um, uh, he actually stole uh, two bases in his first game back. I guess he wanted to show that the uh, the knees in, in good shape. 
Where are um, you at on the Braves? You know, we haven't we've talked a lot about the Mets just because we've seen them a lot, right? Yeah. Like we haven't had to really uh, visualize the Braves. They're not in our day to day lives at this point. In yeah. Nine and eleven right now. Um, just kind of like win one, lose one sort of track. They they haven't gotten very hot. They haven't gotten crazy cold. Where are you at on that team? Well, they're, 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 this is what the Braves were last year, if you remember. It was exactly this is exactly what they were a year ago, and then they went they went at the deadline and you know made the moves that they needed to make, and they won a freaking world championship out of it. Um, I, I I don't think they're as good a team as they were a year ago, but I do think that they're still a good, really good team. So if that makes if that makes any sense to you, um, I, I you know you don't you don't just give up Freddie Freeman, and I know you brought in a pretty good player, Matt Olson. Um, who's actually gotten off to a, a pretty good start for them. Um, but uh, you don't just do that. I think that there's something that that affects the room a little bit. Um, and they're not getting any production out of Albies right now. He's he's really struggled. Swanson struggled. He'll get going once he sees the Phillies. Yeah, Duval struggled. But, you know. Uh, How about – you talk about guys struggling. Have you seen – I actually had to look at this. I did a double take the other night. Eddie Rosario. Yeah, he's oh my good. God. He, he had a great this? he had a great run. He was Nick Foles, Eddie Rosario. <laughs> yeah, I think they gave he's him Nick what? Foles. 2 years, 18 million dollars. Yeah, he's Nick Foles. That's a 3 for 44. <laughs> Dude is 3 for 44. He's hitting 068 with a 254 OPS. Yeah. Holy no, smokes. He, he had a great little run there and and helped him win a world championship and now he's just going to be an average to below average player the rest of his career but they'll love him forever in Atlanta. You know who I was dead wrong about? Just absolutely dead wrong about as Austin Riley. I I thought he you know, he came up and and was really pretty he was pretty good and then he really struggled for a little bit and I was like this he just He's okay. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's been pretty good. He's uh, pretty damn good, man. Yeah, he's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, pitching hasn't been great for them so far. Yeah. But then again, and I think that this, I think every team's going to find a, a struggle with the pitching, right? I mean, you know, Kyle Wright has been like the guy. He Kyle Wright of all people has been their best starting pitcher. Um, and this is a, this is a rotation that has Max Fried and Charlie Morton and Ian Anderson in it. Um, and 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 Kyle Wright's been their best pitcher. Uh, so far, I don't know. Does he sustain that? I don't think so. But I also don't think Charlie Morton's going to keep pitching to a 7.0 ERA with a 1.78 whip either, right? I think Charlie Morton will find his game. I think Ian Anderson will find his game and, and get back. So, I mean, you know, wh- wh- you know wh- where will the Braves be? They'll just be hanging around. It'll be like just just behind everybody. It'll be that sitting there in third place as the Phillies and Mets battle for a little while. And then as it gets close to the deadline, they'll they'll make the move that they need to make. I mean, bringing Acuna back helps a lot. Yeah, I think um, that you have to you have to probably feel pretty good about where they're at. I mean, Morton is the guy that, like you said, has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Seventy RA uh, hitters two ninety six against him right now uh, through four four starts. But you look at right, like you said, does he regress? Probably a little bit, but. Uh, 0.83 whip right now. Freed has actually been pretty good. 0.92 whip. I mean, these guys are that that team. I think is is going to be okay. And to be perfectly honest with you, I, I think Alex Anthopoulos is maybe one of the three or four best general managers in, in baseball. So yeah. um, I kind of almost just trust what he's going to do at this point. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I agree. The only thing I really ever the only other, the, the only other thing really to talk about really is the Mets thing. We didn't even get into it with the with the with the beanball stuff. Um, I, I have one thing to say about that. Uh, Pete Alonzo. I mean, come on. That's what I want to talk about. Like, dude, shut I'm, up. I'm a big, strong guy. Like, how many times do you want to tell me that, dude? Like, I'm a big, strong guy. I could have, I'm a big, strong guy. I could hurt him. I'm like, dude, this is, 
That was one of the corniest things I've I've heard in the player in in I, Look, look here's, I, I don't know. Did you watch any of that? So yes, I watched the whole the the whole. Well, no, thing. But did you, you saw, so you know after the Phillies game's over, I immediately flipped because I have the baseball package, of course, because I'm a I'm a I'm a baseball geek that way. I immediately flipped to Cardinals, Mets, and it's the eighth inning, and Garrett Whitlock's on, on the mound for for St. Louis has never hit a batter in major in his major league career. And he has a change-up, kind of get away from him a little bit, and it goes up on, on Alonzo. Yeah, you don't ever want to see anybody get hit in the head, right? And it hits Alonzo in the side of the helmet, okay? And he's got something to say. And you can tell Whitlock's pissed. Like, he's like, you know, I, you know I, this was not intentional. Okay, it's a 2 nothing game at this point. In the eighth inning, the Cardinals are down. They're not trying to bean you in a two-run game at that point. Okay, bottom of the eighth comes, comes along. And I forget who was pitching for, for the Mets, but um, – uh, hits one of the hits one of the Cardinals ba- batters in the foot. Okay, also un- completely unintentional. Okay, it's just a, wild, a little bit of a wild pitch, kind of bounces and catches him on the toe. I mean, you, you you have to be like incredibly precise to be throwing at somebody and hit them there, right? Okay, so there's some back and forth between you know Scherzer's yelling at the dug- Cardinals dugout, the Cardinals are yelling back over the other side. Okay, fine. Ninth inning. This is where it gets me, Bob. This is where I I lose it because it's like. Dude, you guys are dumb freaking athletes is all you are. <laughs> the Cardinals load the bases. Now, again, they're down two runs, okay? Down two runs in the game, top of the ninth, bases loaded, and Starling Marte comes up and gets hit by a pitch. And they start. Like, oh, my God, what are you doing? The Cardinals – I don't even remember what the kid's name is who was catching for the Cardinals that night. Takes his mask and he's got, like, a smile on his face. Like, are you freaking serious? Yeah. It's bases loaded. We're going to hit you on purpose now? And give you a run? Like, I mean, come on. And so they hear the Mets, hear the Mets whine and bitch and complain, and then the next day come out and purposely throw at Nolan Arenado, and you know they did because if you watch the night before when all this stuff is taking place and you see Buck Showalter going at it with the umpire after he warns both dugouts, right, and he's like, I know how this game is played. You got to let me do my thing and blah, blah, and he's And you can read his lips. Like, he's all pissed off because he's very old school. He wants to throw at the Cardinals. So what does he do? He waits till the next day, and he throws at Arenado's head. That is where it's wrong. You want to talk about where, where the, the unwritten rules are wrong? That's where it's wrong. That's where you go too far. You know, Buck Showalter, stick it. Pete Alonzo, stick it. Mets, stick it. I, they, no team, <laughs> you don't like the Mets, huh? Well, no, I will team see this. Drives, no team drives me more nuts in professional sports than the New York Mets. It, it can be, as, as lame as it is, it can be a little bit of a rallying cry for that team, and it, it – feels like it, it has been a rallying cry for that team. So, I mean, I, I will say that. Um, and you look at the numbers, just to, to put this into perspective, they have been hit 19 times in 20 games. Uh, the second most, I believe, is the Orioles 14 times. So, yeah, I mean, they're getting hit more than any other team. They're getting hit by almost one pitch per game, which I, I could understand over a three-week stretch starting to piss you off a little bit. But... When you break it down the way that you just did, you kind of go, yo, pump the brakes here a little bit. You yeah, know, I mean, too, understand what's going on. Yeah, understand the situations too. And I'll tell you another thing about this Mets lineup. They crowd the plate, man. You know, and if you're Pete Alonso, and that's another thing with Pete Alonso, okay, another thing with this guy. He wears more armor on his body when he's standing out there from the elbow thing that reaches from, like, you know, middle of his tricep down to, you know, almost, you know, below the ulnar nerve. Uh, the the thing on his leg and everything. It's like, dude, you want to stand there. You want to stand there. Pitchers have a right to that inside part of the plate. Yeah. If they're off by two inches, they might hit you. 
and it's not going to friggin' hurt because of all the shit you're wearing. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. If you don't uh, like it, stand a couple, stand further back. Then you ain't getting that pitch. You ain't reaching that pitch on the outer half of the plate. Okay. You want to hit that ball? You got to be ready to get hit by a pitch. I'm sorry. That's part of the. Way, that's the way the game is. And that's how you go out. And that's how you close the show. Phillies Nets this weekend. Pete Alonso's a punk. Here come the Phillies. No, just- no, you're right. You're right. I drive. They drive me nuts. They drive me nuts. I so, someone said to me, they were like, oh, should we, should we, get, we should get tickets for the, the Mets next week. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I'm ready to be Phillies Mets yet. I got I got to be really. They fire me up, man. They fire New York fans just fire me up. <laughs> they do. We, and we saw what they did. We talked about last week what they uh, did with the, Indy, with, uh, the Guardians, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, they were Yankee. Yeah, yeah, they were Yankee fans, but it's no different. Just a different borough. <laughs> Same water that they're all drinking. All right, well, we're <laughs> Anthony Sanfilippo. I'm Bob Wankel. This has been Crossed Up. Make sure you follow us. We'll be on YouTube. I tried to put on a nice sweatshirt today in case people <laughs> need to look at me for an hour. Uh, follow Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcast. We'll be back after this three-game series with the Mets. And we'll see. Big weekend up in New York for the Phillies. We'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>